Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate Rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 2, Episode 19, One False Step. Ooh. Yes. There's, this there's... one I did remember. Yeah. This one, this one seems to be another divisive one where people either love it or just hate it. You know what? I felt both at the same time. This episode <laughs> made me so angry and happy at the same time. I'm, I'm both extremes at once on this one. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, there's a lot of stuff that happens in this episode. I think we've sort of talked about, like, why does this never happen? Or how come they do this? And, like, it's like, oh, look, here it is. Yeah. On this episode for you. So I wonder if there was, like, a super fan that wrote in or somebody in the writer's room that was like, you know, all know. through this entire time, they've never addressed the fact that we could be injuring other people by showing up. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I don't know about that. I do. The, the writers who wrote this are, this is the only Stargate episode they ever wrote. So I oh. don't know where they came from, why they were there, but. All right. So I'm going to go with they were fans of the show and they knew somebody connected with it. And they were like, dude, we love this show, but come on. And you need to like, fix this. Yeah. And then they were like, well, why don't you just write it? And they were like, well, maybe we will. And that's how that happened. I'm going with it's <laughs> exactly what happened. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's mm-hmm. our first our, our, our first headcanon of, of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... Speaking of, so this episode aired on February 19th, 1999. The aforementioned writers are Michael Kaplan and John Sanborn, and it was directed by William Corcoran. And in this episode, on a routine reconnaissance mission, the SG-1 team discover a civilization of friendly, innocent aliens, but suddenly the aliens begin to fall ill. A plague, somehow caused by the team, sweeps across the planet, and Jack O'Neill and Daniel Jackson are infected, too. Can the team save themselves and an entire civilization? Yeah, this is... Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is one of those episodes where it's like, yeah, this... Why doesn't this happen more? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this episode starts in the gate room with a UAV being prepped for launch to the planet PJ-2445. They are apparently going to be testing some new radar sensors that might enable the SGC to do more long-range reconnaissance missions. And so the UAV takes off and Jack's just like, that's just so cool. Like always will be and always is. Um, And we see uh, Sam sitting in front of what looks like a little miniature like video game cabinet type thing um, with a radar type imaging on it and sensors are apparently picking up hot spots but they have no idea what they are it could be like hot springs they could be like underground lava thing they could be people apparently the team didn't get that far when they were on their initial scout yesterday so mm. Mm, the team's already been there but this is much farther so the, the image that they're seeing in the control room starts to, like, flicker, and apparently they're using the sig- they're losing the signal, and Sam's like, well, that shouldn't be happening. So she takes over manual controls, but is unfortunately unable to stop the UAV from crushing into what looked like a large white fungus-type plant of some kind. And they're all like, what happened? We don't know. We need to get back. Blah. And then finally they get the camera back up, and they see something sort of, like, scurry by, 
And then there is a very close-up shot of an alien life form that is possibly naked and covered in like stripes of white paint type thing as the the alien is like sort of looking at the thing and then it starts to get dragged away. And so they kind of need to go get it back because Sam needs like the the data drive in it to know like what happened and why it crashed and everything and Jack's like super awesome because apparently where it crashed was like 10 miles from the gate and so according to Jack that is a six hour round trip journey please keep that time in mind because things happen that don't make sense with that six hour round trip comment oh fantastic I have to say that the actor that was playing you know, that little guy yes. that they initially see and then, you know, he's a big part of the episode. Like, just his face and his ability to just look like the most innocent, I know. happy, just love a person. Like, oh, I don't know who that person is, but I he's know. just the most adorable person. Just big eyes and mm, I love I you, know. just like in his whole face. And it yeah. was so cute. He is adorable, and I tried to look up on IMDb, but the only alien that's credited is the guy who's sort of doing the ceremony thing later, I believe, oh. uh, like in the hut, who's like putting the paint on the little like young boy alien. But yeah, that guy's like not credited. I wish I knew who he was because yeah, he's just adorable. He is. So very, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Face. Yeah, I don't know if they had like a movement coach or something to like, or like some sort of like choreographer type person to like help get the physicality down but like I yeah whatever they did it was great I I did enjoy that part of the episode yeah yeah yeah. it was it was so adorable so after we come back from the opening credits we're on SG-1 exiting the gate on the planet and Daniel mentions deja deja vu which he then has to explain to Tilk obviously and then Daniel sneezes because allergies and for some reason, the tracking beacon on the UAV is not active, but Sam's like, but it's that way. So they head off that way. And on their walk there, there's actually the beginnings of sort of an interesting conversation about like what alien actually means, because, you know, SG-1 gets there, they're like the aliens. And Tilk is like, aren't we the aliens because this is their planet? And it's really just all about, you know, it's alien from your point of view, not necessarily relative to its location. It's sort of alien is sort of relative to your point of view, um, which I just, I don't know. I thought that conversation was interesting and would not have minded hearing more of it. Yeah, that was, is yeah. I liked that their explanation was it's kind of your perspective rather than like, who's the home team. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. So SG-1 have reached the crash site, which means it has been about three hours. It's it's a six-hour round trip, so a three-hour one-way trip. Mm-hmm. And Sam immediately starts taking a sample of this like green goo that's leaking out of the plat out of the plant, as Jack then orders her to take samples from the plant because lots of good stuff can come from plants, so they should take samples to know what's going on. And Daniel starts recording some of, like, the smaller plants that are nearby when he sneezes uh, again. Because... Allergies. Allergies. And Tilk then seems to spot the direction the UAV was dragged off and heads that way, quickly followed by the rest of the team. And Jack is again just like, I, I guess we're going that way. So it's sort of funny. It's sort of, like, establishing that, like, SG-1 is, like, such a team now. They just do what they know Jack is going to tell them to do anyway. And then Jack is like, oh, okay, yes, do, do that do thing. That thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 
So the team are now on the edge of what looks like a little village. And there's these dwellings that look like small, sort of just like mounds of dirt. They're like very just sort of round and bulbous. And Jack is looking through his binoculars and they're just sort of talking about what they see and everything. And Sam looks off to like the side and the little alien guy from earlier just sort of like pops up from behind some shrubbery. And she like pokes Daniel who turns to look and he's like, oh, and then he's like, Jack, Jack, like trying to get Jack's attention without like startling the alien guy. And finally Jack notices and turns and sees him. And then like, for some reason, raises his binoculars, even though the alien's like 10 feet away. Mm-hmm. And then, but it's kind of cute. Like the alien sort of mimics raising binoculars too, even though he just has his hands. And so, which is, it's, it's just, it's cute. It is. It is and cute. So Daniel, like, raises his hand to, like, sort of wave and says hi, and the alien kind of runs off making some sort of high-pitched noise. Squeal type thing. Shriek. Uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting sound. So the team follows, and they sort of gently make their way into the village as more aliens start to gather around them. And Daniel's doing his best to just sort of urge the rest of his team to like stay calm and friendly as these weird aliens just sort of walk closer and closer and like reach out and like try and like touch them. And he's like, it's fine. Just be calm. And we see one of the younger aliens like pulls Daniel's like knife out of his sheath. And he's like, Oh God. And Sam's like, she's Sam's got it. Don't worry. So she makes her way over and like kneels down and like smiles and is like, can I have that back? It's dangerous. Can I please have that back? And like the whole time. Yes. Calm and friendly. Yes. And so the little boy starts to hand the knife back blade first because he doesn't know any better. And unfortunately Daniel sneezes, which startles him and it causes like the knife to actually cut into like Sam's hand. And like, it's not bad. She'll be fine. But the other aliens apparently seem completely like spooked by Daniel sneezing and start to like back away. And he gives them a moment and like takes off his like tack vest and everything. It's like, I'm going to go try and communicate with them some more. And Jack's like, you want backup? He's like, no, let me just do this by myself. It'll be fine. He goes into one of the little huts and there's some kind of like ritual or ceremony happening where the young alien who had grabbed the knife is getting like the white markings painted on him. And Daniel just kind of like sits down like, nearby. Hi, I'm just going to sit here and just observe if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. And then they all like finally just kind of look at him because who is the strange being that's in our hut? And so Daniel does the thing where he like points at himself and says his name and the others like mimic his behavior and sort of like open their mouths, but like no sound comes out. And it seems like these aliens like don't speak for whatever reason. And so Daniel then draws like a stick figure in the, in the sand, in the dirt to try and, you know, be like, this is, this is me, Daniel. And then they reach down and just sort of make like squiggles and lines and stuff. So it seems like they don't have any kind of recognizable language, either like written or spoken, which is new and interesting yeah. and different for the show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because how do you communicate with people who have no language, which is interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 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 And then uh, the alien who's sort of like leading the ritual of the painting reaches out and like puts some of the paint on Daniel's face. And he's like, thank you. I loved his expression too. Because just had like face paint all over. And he's like, thanks. Thank you. It's cool. Yes. This is definitely something that has happened to Daniel before. Mm -hmm. Yes. And also too, I was, uh, I found it kind of funny that he 
looked, you know, he ended up seeming like surprised that this happened. <laughs> like, oh, oh, I'm already one of you. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. As as culturally experienced as he's supposed to be. Yes. It's interesting still still to see him in situations where he's like, oh, we're doing this now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so the rest of SG-1 are sitting, like, outside the hut as Daniel's inside attempting to, like, imitate the UAV with, like, he's got, like, his arms out and he's, like, zooming around the, the hut going, like, woo, like, making, like, plane noises yeah. and to try and communicate, there was this thing, what happened to it? Because that's basically why they're there to figure out, like, what happened to the UAV. Yeah. They do and, a really funny cutaway in that part, don't they? Where Jack's like, I wonder what they're talking about in there. Well, <laughs> you it's see? sort of... It's between Daniel gets like the paint on, cuts outside, and Jack's like, I wonder what they're talking about in there. Cut inside to Daniel going, doing the thing. And I was like, that's what they're, that's what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it kind of seems like these guys don't really get like what Daniel's trying to say to them or demonstrate something, communicate with them. So he just sort of heads out and rejoins SG-1 and like lets them know what's going on and how... Jack's like, oh, so they're less evolved than us. And Daniel's like, well, you know, there's the Nox. So don't forget about them. Because we thought the same thing about them. And then it turned out they're, you know, the Nox. And they did build these huts. So they're not, like, totally not evolved. And uh, unfortunately, he wasn't able to get any information about the UAV from them. And then Jack kind of, like, looks over where Tilk is a little bit away standing. Standing a bit away from them. And there are several of the aliens actually dragging the UAV back to their village. So they did understand what Daniel was talking about in the tent, in the hut with the womb thing. And it's like, oh, yay. And like the one alien guy earlier, like puts his arms out and like demonstrates back to Daniel. This is what you were talking about with this, right? And it's like, yes, yes. Yay. They got it. Yay. Yay. Communication successful. Yay. And so we see one of the aliens kind of rubbing at some like black goo that's on his hand. And then Daniel sneezes and they all look scary. He's like, don't worry, it's nothing to worry about. Everything's fine. But then that alien collapses. Whoop. They're like, oh, I hope there's nothing to worry about. So Sam rushes over and is not able to find any sort of pulse, but he does seem to be breathing. And then the aliens start like singing. Like, they're not, like, there's no words, but it's just sort of this the, these chords, basically, of, of notes that mm-hmm. yes. is it's quite pretty. I, it was quite pleasing to me, at least. I don't know if mm-hmm. everybody else found it. I liked it. I liked it. And uh, Daniel mentions that some Native American, as well as, like, Aboriginal and African tribes do believe that music can have healing properties. So I did do some fun facts diving into that. Oh, yeah, okay. Which, there's a shit ton out there. So I'm just going to give you a couple highlights that I thought were interesting. Do um, it. Apparently some Native American healers would actually fast in order to receive a song in a dream or vision to help heal the ill person. And there's actually a whole CD out there of various Native American healing songs, if you're interested in hearing such things. Hmm, okay. Uh, do I still have that up? I do. It's called Healing, eh, healing Songs of the American Indians. So this is from a while ago. Um, but yes, so there, there are recordings of some of the Native American healing songs, which is kind of cool. Um, and then I found an article sort of about the Aboriginal stuff, but 
in it, according to a 2010 study by the University of Southern Queensland, they found that didgeridoo playing can actually help uh, with asthma. Oh, like the person playing the didgeridoo or someone listening to the didgeridoo? No, the person playing the didgeridoo, like can help sort of like lessen the severeness of their asthma. Huh. Yeah. There you go. Interesting. Yes. Is it difficult to play a didgeridoo? I have no idea. I I am not aware of how you play a didgeridoo exactly. How you didgeridoo it? (laughs) (laughs) Had to be said, I'm sorry. Uh, Very nice, yes. (laughs) Probably not the first one to make that joke. I'm probably not, no, but I'm leaving it in because it's hilarious. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, So there's a little bit of stuff. They're like, as you want to sort of stand around watching as these aliens are singing and then another one of them collapses. So this, this is not, this is not good. They're not good. No, No, bad things Mm -hmm. happening. And we cut to sometime later and uh, more aliens have collapsed and Tilk is helping to carry them into one of the huts so they can all kind of be together. And then he's like, shouldn't we leave? And Daniel's like, why? We don't know what's happening why leaving might make things worse. We don't know. So they need to do something though. So apparently that something is to go back to the gate and call for help. So uh, so we're three hours there. We're sometime in the village, maybe like an hour, three hours back to the gate, then sometime later. So we're like six to seven hours in total on the planet. And uh that call for help brought Dr. Fraser and two other SG medical team members. Yeah. And they're and, in like full hazmat gear. Yeah. And Dr. Fraser is really what I hate about this episode is some of the stuff she says and does is just awful. Yeah. I'm like, you're a, she's a doctor, but doesn't seem to do much doctoring. Or doesn't seem to actually care about these people. Mm. Because, okay, so here's why. It's because, like, she shows up, she tries to help them, and then she's like, oh, we just need to bring one back. And, like, somebody says, you know, won't this put them more in danger? And she's just like, oh, well, the damage is done anyway. Like, seriously? That was terrible. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Then they bring an alien back who looks terrified, and no one seems to care. And they do all these tests on him, also terrified. No one seems to care. Ooh, it made me so angry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. Ooh. Oh. Ooh, angry. Angry. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So, Doc, two other team members come through in full hazmat, and then they finally reach the village. So, it's another three hours. So, we're, I'm estimating we're like 10 hours since our first arrival on the planet, at least. 10 hours. And somehow it's still midday. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, well, we don't know what day is like on this planet. I mean, that's true. A day could be like 35 hours long. Yeah. There could be there could be two suns. Yeah. Who knows? There could totally there could never be work. night. I mean, yeah. I guess so. But there you would think there would be at least some throwaway comment about that so that we are you know, in agreement with what we're seeing on the screen. Yeah. Which I'm I'm not at the moment, at least as far as time is concerned. <laughs> so true. Anyway. Or someone comment like, holy crap, it was a long walk. Yeah, something. Yeah. Um 
So so they get back to the village and Sam gives Dr. Fraser a rundown of what's happening, including sort of like all the foreign substances that SG-1 has introduced, like Daniel sneezing, Sam's blood from when she got cut, the UAV lubricant that like goo from the plant. And Doc first does some tests on SG-1 and they're all fine. And unfortunately, you can't really tell anything about the native population because they're really, they're not like us normal human Earth humans in any way. So this is where she's like, let's take them back to Earth where she can do more testing. She has more, you know, machines and stuff to do scans and everything. So Jack orders Sam to go back with her so she can like fill Hammond in on what's going on and also like get her hand looked at to make sure that that's all fine. So Dr. Fraser orders everybody who's staying behind to like keep the sick quarantined and to like maybe go check out the other nearby villages to see if they're sick too, because if they're not, that might help narrow down like what exactly is happening. Like if it's confined, confined to just this village, it probably is directly related to SG-1. If other people are sick, then there might be something else going on. So SG-1 and a couple of the aliens escort Sam and like the medical team back to the gate. So we're in another three hour trip. So 13 to 14 hours at this point. Still daylight? (laughs) Like, it should be night right Mm -hmm. now. At least dusk at the minimum. Um, And the aliens, like, look worried, but Daniel tries to, like, reassure them that everything will be fine. Right. Like, no, it's fine. We're just going to take your friend. We're going to walk through this puddle of water and then disappear, but don't worry. Everything's fine. Like, come on now. Yeah. (laughs) You think someone would have been like, this person is probably a little scared right now. We should probably see if we can figure more out here. Yeah. But yeah, but I mean, I do see her point that like, she's very limited on what equipment she can like bring with her. And. But here's the other thing too. Like if you're a doctor and they're questioning, Oh my God, I wonder, you know, is it us causing these people to get sick? Your first response would not be, oh, let's introduce them to more of what could be making them sick. Yeah. Not like, yeah, well, the damage has been done. If people like, are Earth, people from Earth are making them sick, let's take them back to Earth. Right? It just does not, does not compute. No, I guess not. So. You would, but. you know, hazmat bubble on the planet and do what you can. I know she says she's going to do like a class two quarantine or something when they get back to earth, but I see no quarantine procedures. No. There's no like plastic bubble around the alien at any time. No, ever. no. So their, their definition of quarantine procedures is very loose. Apparently. Well, as, we as we're well aware. Before, we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not the first time that's come up. Oh, uh. uh, anyway. So we do get a brief shot back in the infirmary in the SGC and they're starting to do their examination of the patient who is, as you mentioned, quite scared. And at one point he actually like reaches out and like grabs onto like Sam's arm. And Sam does mention the whole singing thing to Fraser, just in case that's important. So, yeah. Mm. And back on the planet, we do get a purposeful shot of like the sun low behind some trees. So I guess finally. that's supposed to indicate it is finally like e- either sunrise or sunset. I'm guessing sunset because we have not yet gone through night. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jack and Tilk are walking along like towards the other villages. And Tilk seems to definitely think it's like SG-1 that's responsible for this illness. And I, it Jack doesn't, I think. 
is how that conversation goes. There's a lot of like double negatives in there and I kind of lost it for a minute, but I think that's what's happening. And um, Jack then stumbles kind of like his like knees, like just sort of like give out from underneath him. And like, he's like, no, I'm I'm fine. Like a bit of a headache. And he kind of just wants to keep walking without talking for a little bit, which he knows will be difficult for Tilk, but things don't matter. (laughs) Oh, you. Yes. (laughs) Uh, so back in the SGC, we're still examining our alien guy, and there's like some sim- some similarities, like human blood and human physiology, but like not exactly. And also, given that Fraser doesn't know what normal is for them, it's difficult to know if any of the results she's seeing are abnormal. And she goes to turn on like one of the ultrasound machines to do some more scans, and this like the alien does does not like the ultrasound machine like at all so apparently no. they're going to try for an mri instead mm-hmm. sure and yeah. that's yeah. going to be less dramatic yeah instead of just a little one let's put him inside a coffin basically yeah that's yeah. going to be for awesome however long he needs to be in there yeah uh, <sighs> so but at the end of the mri scan it looks like their heart is in like where their stomach where well like where our stomach is is where their heart is which that's different mm-hmm. but also keep that in mind their heart mm-hmm. is in their in, in their abdomen mm-hmm. like you do yes so back on the planet, uh, Daniel exits one of the huts and he sees that one of like the small white plants that was just sort of right down near like the ground, like the surface had suddenly like grown like taller than him. And as Daniel approaches, it like shrinks back down. So that's interesting. Yeah. And uh, the little alien guy from earlier is standing nearby and Daniel walks over and is like, what just happened? And the little alien dude like squats down like he's imitating the plant shrinking. And again, it's just so cute. He's I know. It is. Oh, I don't remember properly. Okay. Does Daniel make any motions or does he just actually ask what just happened? I think he kind of like points at the plant, like, like what just happened with that plant kind okay. of thing. I was so, trying to remember if that was a goof that like the alien should not have known what he was saying. Yeah, okay, but, but he did yeah. make a motion. Yeah. So Jack and Tilk then make it back to the village and Daniel tells them about the plant and he's like, I'm going to back up to see if it does it again, but it does not. And it kind of seems like Jack thinks Daniel was like making it up maybe because Which like is- nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And so, and then Daniel points to the alien and he's like, well, he saw it. And then the alien does like the squatting thing again. He's like, yes, yeah, he's the, 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 the trank, the trank. So it did happen because he saw it too. And so Tilk then tells Daniel that many of the aliens in the nearby villages are also sick. So awesome. Not, not awesome. No. And no. then <laughs> Jack and Daniel have like a lover spat basically. Because Daniel's like, we need to do something. And Jack has no idea what to do. And Daniel's like, a little less sarcasm would maybe be great. And we could start with that. And Jack just like snarks back. You want sarcasm? Nice to meet you. And then the alien walks over and just like smiles at them. Like, please stop. Please stop fighting. Please. I don't like this. I don't, I don't like, like this. It. Mom, dad, <laughs> stop it. Jack's like, yeah, mom and dad, please stop fighting. And Jack's like, what is he doing? And then I love Tilk's response because Tilk just goes he appears to be bothered by the tone you have taken towards each other as am I (laughs) (laughs) he's like I don't like it either please stop yeah so 
Jack then tells Tilk to like go radio Hammond about what's going on. And like he and Daniel will be fine. Don't worry. Even though he does call Daniel plant boy. And then is kind of like, wait, what did I just say? And like, it's kind of like shakes his head. Like this is, this is weird. Like he seems to be acknowledging that like something weird is happening. So yeah. Yeah. So back uh, on earth in the infirmary, Hammond comes in to sell, to tell Sam and Fraser about the situation on the planet. And that like, there's at least 100 aliens that have fallen ill, possibly more. That's just how many they could count at the time. And Fraser's kind of surprised that, you know, what's happening here hasn't happened more often. But then she's like, but if most of the aliens out there are, you know, humans from Earth, then that might explain why. Because they would have been exposed to some of the stuff that we have. But that was also like thousands of years ago. And there's a whole bunch of new stuff. But okay. no. no. Yeah, I'm like, maybe a little bit, but not that much. Um, but then also sort of by the end of this conversation, um, you know, like the SGC doesn't have unlimited resources to devote to this issue. And I do love that Sam comes in and says, we ca- we just can't keep trampling through the galaxy with no regard for the damage that we can do. Yes. So like thank you for acknowledging that. But then... It basically seems like Hammond is telling them that they have as much time as it takes for that alien to die. And if they can't cure him by then, then it's just done and the rest of SG-1 is going to have to come home. Is what I'm getting out of that whole conversation. It's very un-Hammond-like, isn't it? It is. I can kind of see why maybe these two writers never came back. (laughs) Yeah, it was was very un-Hammond-like. I did yeah. not enjoy that. I loved I loved Sam's line, but yeah, no. Yeah, I didn't like any other part of that conversation, really. Usually they do some sort of, you know, Hammond's hands are tied and some big bad government guy is, is the real bad guy, not him. He's just a messenger. But in this one, he's like, nope. Yeah. Yeah. This is their, their there's no, I can give you X amount of time before I have to actually call somebody. That, like, usually happens. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then back on the planet, we get one of like my favorite Jack Daniel scenes like ever. Like the whole argument they have is like just gold about like mythology and how like they just have a fundamental difference and Daniel's little like fit. Like see, 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 see. <laughs> and just like, I don't know. I just love what they do. And like the whole thing where, so with Jack goes, um, Oh, so, okay, so Jack says at one point, he says, it means on a good day, you can be a little flaky. And Daniel goes, and on a good day, you can be a little ignorant and condescending. <laughs> like, yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then, like... Mom and dad are still fighting. Mom and dad are still fighting. And they, like, into the argument about, like, mythology. And Jack's like, what does mythology have to do with filming a plant? And Daniel's like, I don't know. And then they just kind of stare at each other, like, what the fuck was that? Like... <laughs> so and then they're both just like i'm not really feeling great are you like i'm not i'm not feeling great either uh and then the little original alien guy that was there he then passes out so no no i know like not not him um so they carry him into the hut and tilk comes back with like the news from earth and jack and daniel are both like we need to go because we're not feeling, yes, you're sick. Go back to Earth where people right. are not sick. Right. Great. Bring whatever it is with you. Yeah. 
So Tilt's going to stay and keep an eye on things. And Jack's like, if we're not back in 12 hours, come back to Earth. And then Tilka's like, okay, and yes, Daniel Jackson, I will keep both of my eyes on your plant. Ha, ha, ha. So uh, back on Earth. So we're like, we're approaching like 24 hours at this point with all the walking back and forth from the gate that's having to have like happened in the show. There's been two, like we're, we're, we're at 24 hours at least at this point. It's I don't weird. know why they didn't like bring a golf cart or something. That was the thing I was going to bring up at the end of the episode. Like a thing I saw on a couple discussion forums, like if they know it's like a three hour walk, why do they not have like a, like something like, like a moon buggy or like yeah, yeah, tiny. something. Where's the Fred? Why did the Fred stop being a thing? Cause you can ride on the Fred, but Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, way too much time has, like, actually passed for just, like, the time that we're seeing pass in the episode, based on what we were told at the beginning of the episode, so. That's my last nitpicky thing. Um, So, they get back to Earth, and Jack and Daniel both explain, like, why they come back, and Daniel's like, but I'm already feeling better now, just being here in the gate room. That's weird. Uh, Uh... So we cut to Jack and Daniel sitting side by side on a gurney in the infirmary, trying to like sort of apologize to each other for how they were behaving back on the planet. And this is another scene that is used in like every Jack and Daniel video ever. I'm sure I've used it myself at some point, but like, it's fine because there's obviously nothing wrong with them. Like physically, they're both perfectly physically, physically healthy. Yay. (laughs) I, I love when things like that happen in shows. I don't know. It just, every time it gets me, everything's fine. There's nothing wrong. There's obviously something physically wrong with us. There's nothing physically wrong with you. Like, that whole kind of thing, just, I don't yeah. know. It just it gets me every time. Yeah. So, um, and then Dr. Fraser is paged to, apparently, the, the room the alien is being held in is called the critical care room. So, mm-hmm. head over there. The alien is crashing, and one of the nurses is doing chest compressions. Even On though his chest area? On his chest. is doing chest compressions, even though yes. his heart is not in his chest. Right. So, uh, Dr. Fraser orders, like, some meds, and they get to work trying to, like, keep him alive. Back on the planet, we see several of the plants have done that growing thing, and as Tilk approaches, they shrink back down. And he seems to get an idea and, like, bends down and sort of starts, like, scraping at the dirt to basically reveal this, like, vast root system. And there's some of that, like, green goo that Sam had, like, sampled earlier from the plant that got crushed into. And he, like, touches it and is, like, immediately in, like, an extremely immense amount of pain. And he, like, clutches his head and then, like, falls over and passes out. Like, cannot move. So I didn't catch. Did he actually, like cut it or was the goo kind of there like it was broken already I think the goo was just there I don't think he he I don't think Tilk himself damaged the plant in any way okay so I think that yeah the, the, the goo was already just there all right so back on earth they've gotten the little alien guy stabilized and Daniel's like if he's dying shouldn't we like take him back to be with his own people and the answer is yes the answer is yes, but nobody actually says anything. So Daniel, <laughs> like, nobody just, like, nobody says anything. Like, Daniel says that line. They all kind of stand around, and then Daniel leaves. Uh, so. So angry. <laughs> 
so Jack goes to catch up with him and he's in his office and he's watching like the footage from the UAV that crashed and because he just he needs to like find some way to fix this because this is definitely like their fault now and Jack tries to placate him with like things can't always go the way we want and it's like go the way we want them to I one wrong move one false step title of the episode and a Aha. whole world gets wiped out like this is not just things not we just didn't get the fancy toy from the alien race this is us wiping out an entire civilization of peoples how can you not care about that and then he pauses and is like, my head hurts again. So they go back to the infirmary. And Frazier's like, you're fine. And Daniel's like, I'm fine. Yeah. Just like being here. I'm feeling better already. So it's like, okay, so when did the headache start? It was started when I was watching. Hang on a second. So I'll run back to the lab. Wait like, a minute. Daniel's having an epiphany of some kind. Uh and so Jack and Sam go with him and he's like, there must be something on the tape we can't see or hear, as Sam says. And that's causing all of, like the symptoms. So Sam takes the tape and they all head up to the control room now. And Sam puts the tape in some sort of already preset thing that is set to like read videotapes and like do all the fancy stuff it needs to do and yeah. uh, runs an audio analysis on it. And there is something there something that they can't normally hear and Sam like cranks it up and it's this really awful, horrible, horrible noise. And according to Frazier, this is what's responsible for all the symptoms. They're experiencing like the headaches and the nausea. It's like sound can affect your body in like a myriad of ways. That's like crazy to think about, but is true. So mm -hmm. the only goof here is that um, your, your normal like, the camcorders like that would be on the UAV can't record what humans can't hear because camcorders record what humans hear. So we, we shouldn't have been able to find that like subsonic sound, but we had to. I don't so know. We... Ghost hunters would disagree with you. <laughs> uh, I know. Ghost hunters anyway. would disagree with you. Okay. All right. Also, I mean, there is the, you know, the studies that they perform of people of different ages have different abilities of hearing. So, yeah, I mean, that's true. There, there's a thing called the mosquito that is apparently makes very, very high pitched noises. is very, very annoying to teenagers. So if you have a lot of like teenagers near you and you don't want them near you, you just like get that machine and like plug it in and it keeps them away. Although it's it's really, they don't really like hear it. Like they can perceive it as just something I don't like being here mm -hmm. and it makes them leave, but they don't really like hear it. Yeah. So I don't know. So I would say it is in the realm of possibility that okay. they, that there was something they were not able to hear that was actually there. Okay. Because of their small, tiny human brains. Okay. Fine. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, the weird thing, so the noise is making SG-1 sick, but it's not what's making the alien sick. And then we get an incoming wormhole, and it's Tilk, and they head down to, like, read him, like, right as he comes out of the, the kawoosh, and he almost, like, collapses, like, just right there on the platform, and explains about what happened to him. And we get, in this episode, we get Tilk's very first Indeed. <gasps> we finally have the indeed. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yes. Ooh, it's where okay. 
It's in the bit where he was like talking about the plants, and Daniel's like, "You saw them grow," and he goes, "Indeed, I did." Woo! So, Tilk's first indeed comes in this episode. The first indeed. That's really what the show episode should have been called. Indeed. The first indeed. The first indeed. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, but then the interesting thing is like Tilk describes what happened as the plants like attacking him. Like it wasn't just something that happened; it was an actual like attack so Daniel then gets like another epiphany and like connects the dots and starts to head out of the room and he's like where are you going and then he comes back and he's like just come with me and so they go back to the control room and he asks the tech to play back the audio from like the very beginning of the UAV the UAV flight like before it crashed and like do whatever Sam did so they could hear whatever was there on the audio and they do, and they hear a noise, and it's not pleasant, but it's not as horrible as it was then the thing that Sam had played. Okay, cool. Fast forward to after the UAV crashed, and the sound has changed. And Jack's to like, something just sounding off. Yeah, to the horrible, awful thing. And yeah. Jack's like, the plant is making that sound. And Sam's like, sir, it's an alien organism on another planet. Good point. Mm-hmm. So. Apparently, the sound changed because we hurt it, and so now the aliens are suffering. Hmm. So, let's test this theory. Back in the isolation room, Daniel's putting in the tape from, like, the original UAV flight with the, like, the original noise that's there. And, like, almost immediately, like, the alien seems to be, like, getting better. And he, like, opens his mouth and starts, like, saying. And then he, like, smiles at Daniel and, like, everybody that's there. Feels better. Yay. Seems like we figured it out. So, yes. So, back on the planet, uh, Sam, there's a very big, like, time jump here. It's like, how do we get from there to, like, where we are now in this scene? But okay. So, back on the planet, Sam is setting up solar panels to connect to a frequency emitter to basically get everything back on track. Like, I guess they've simulated whatever that noise is that the plant makes when everything is good, and they've put it into a frequency emitter and connected it to the solar panels to just indefinitely emit the the good, happy frequency that the people on the planet need. And she then urges, like, Daniel and the rest of SG-1 to sort of, like, head away for a little bit. And Daniel's like, don't you want to see what happens? She's like, I do, but I think we, we should go over there to watch. And so eventually the villagers come out from their huts and they start to sing and they see the plants grow. And it's Yay. like... Oh, is this what you were waiting for? She's like, yeah, she figured there's probably some kind of symbiotic relationship between the aliens and the plant. Cool. How'd you figure that out? Captain, how did you figure that out? She she talks to her plants, okay? The end. I thought that, I thought that was really cute. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. That's one false step. So do uh, what I didn't catch was if the solar panel thing, um, if that was supposed to be a permanent fix or just until they could figure out how to heal the plant. I don't know. It is not said. I'm thinking they're hoping it's a permanent fix. <laughs> well, I don't know, because it seems yeah. like the network of plants was pretty large to reach, you know, villages like like. It could be across the entire planet, right, for everybody that lives on the planet. And they have this, like, by scale, this tiny little solar panel yeah. that, like, would help that immediate village. But yeah, not... I mean, 
maybe it's sort of quasi temporary until the planet plant can heal itself. But yeah, again, are they setting them up for like all of the villages or just that one village? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Also, it's interesting because it makes you wonder if, I mean, you would think at some point in time, these plants would have, something would have happened to one at some point in time yeah. along the way. Do they not have like storms on this planet? Or like, like animals that could eat it? Or I'm... Yeah, did nobody just, like, get drunk and, like, run into one? <laughs> right? Somebody could have accidentally hurt one. Like, themselves. nobody, like, stepped on one. It, yeah. It's, there's there's a lot that doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you think too hard about it, which is the point of this podcast is to think hard about it. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, but the little alien guy is super cute, so. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the alien dudes are cute. They are. Um, so how how many memos are, are there? Oh, my God. So many memos. <laughs> so many memos. Keep thinking of the And it's the same. Like, do not bring sick aliens back to the planet when you suspect that it's the people of that planet making the aliens sick. Yeah. If you start to get sick on another planet, do not come back to the planet. No. I mean, even though in this particular instance it worked and that's how they figured it out, usually <laughs> it does not work out. Like have, of, hey, I got sick on this other planet. I'm going to go home. <laughs> and maybe make everybody else sick too. Ah, yes. Again, we need an intermediary quarantine planet. Yes. Don't kidnap aliens no. to your planet when they obviously look freaked the fuck out to be there. Yes. Meh. Okay. Boo, planet Earth. Boo. <laughs> yeah. That. So many memos. So All the memos this week. Yes. <laughs> yes. This week is all the memos. It's just all the memos. <laughs> <laughs> At least I didn't eat anything weird. Yet we don't know. That's true. Yeah. yeah, we don't know what else they had Daniel do in that hut. <laughs> That's true. Also, where <laughs> were all the women? You know, that is something I thought about. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they were all, you know, like women and men. Maybe they were both. They're genderless. Yes. How do they reproduce then? I don't know. Well, instead of me like having no gender maybe they were both genders at the same time what what is the technical term when you can reproduce with yourself uh i'm forgetting all high school science me too i do not recall let's let's see if google has anything self like the two people Just... listening to this right now know what we're talking about and they're like god it's this thing why don't they remember the thing? Yes, maybe they don't need women. Maybe they are women and men at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. and it just, I'm just getting self-replicating, but that's not the word no. we're looking for. Asexual reproduction. Like earthworms. Yes. Asexual reproduction is a mode of reproduction that does not entail the union of sex cells or gametes. 
in asexual reproduction, the union is not necessary. The organism can reproduce in the absence of a mate, in which, in this case, produces offspring, which is usually a clone of the parent. Yep, yeah, yeah. They all looked pretty similar. Yep. I'm going to go with that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Usually bacteria, plants, fungi, certain animals. There you go. Uh, okay. Asexual reproduction. There you go. Yep, that's the one. Okay. Cool. Glad we got that sorted. <laughs> Again, sorry, world, that we don't remember high school. High school science. <laughs> high school was a long time ago for us. Yes. Yes. So, yes it has. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, title one false step. We get in Daniel's dialogue. Um, most of the uh, foreign market translations were basically the same thing, except for Germany, which uh, translates back into English as deadly sounds. Oh. Germany has the coolest alternate names. Germany and Hungary. Mm. Hungary has had some of the, like, the really, the super awesome ones where I'm like, wow, who came up with that? That was great. But Hungary this week was not super interesting, unfortunately. Mm. Um, None of them translated to don't step there? uh, No, Hungary translates back as one wrong move. Oh. So, yeah. Okay. Yep. Um... All right, I think that's all I got for this week. Yeah, me too. Yeah, okay. So we both Definitely. we both like and hate this episode. Yes, both okay. at the same time. Okay. Um, I would like to put out there to our listeners, um, as we are we're we're approaching the end of season two, a few more weeks left. Um, we're gonna do another season two recap, like we did for season one. If you have any suggestions for categories. Um, like we did like top fives and best ofs and stuff. If you have any suggestions or ideas for us to do in that recap, please uh, shoot us an email or a tweet, which I will give you that information shortly. And still no word on Stargate leaving Netflix. It's apparently still there for the foreseeable future. So that's exciting. Yeah. So yay. Yay for that. Thank you, Netflix, again, for keeping it there. So we can keep doing I'm gonna this still, I mean, there's still until it is disputed. I'm going to go with that. It's entirely because of this podcast. Okay. I will yep. I will ride along your coattails on that. Until Netflix tweets you back and they're like, no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Which is not going to happen because I'm not tagging Netflix in any of my tweets about the show. <laughs> well, cool. Then we're right until proven so, wrong by Netflix. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter at SG underscore rewatch or send us an email at woo. That's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for Show and Tell.